Picture this, you're sitting with your friends, other moms who have gone through a divorce or are contemplating, who maybe didn't picture their lives co-parenting, but are there with you. You're sharing your stories, you're inspiring each other, validating and challenging each other through your shared experiences. You're belly laughing, tearing up, and enjoying your favorite cup of coffee all at the same time. You don't judge each other, you empower each other to continue on your journey to heal and to just be you, whatever that looks like. Welcome to Co-Parenting and Coffee. Hello, welcome to episode three. I'm so excited. Um, so we are just coming off of Halloween and um all the sugar. Was, yeah, sugar and then straight into daylight savings. It's like all the tiredness. It's ridiculous. <laughs> all day I'm all weekend. I've been like, it's eight o'clock, but it's really nine o'clock. When six PM feels like midnight. Yes. Oh my god. Yesterday at like 5 27, I was like, I just want to go to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, totally. I think I went to bed at 9 30 last night good yeah. night uh yeah for sure so <laughs> welcome we're excited and we just wanted to review our grow work from last week which was writing our letters to our kids that we are not sending <laughs> emphasis on do not send these do letters not send. <laughs> save them so maybe you can share them someday but that's up to you I will say open, open and do not open unless, you know, there are a ser- series of events that occur. <laughs> yeah. Put, we do in not, a, put it in we a are safety not viable for the, if it gets open. open until you're like 40. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I was just actually going over my letter. I wrote my letter on my phone because I don't know. I was picturing myself like writing it like in a journal or something that I don't have that I need to get a journal Mm -hmm. and writing it. But for some reason I couldn't do that. So I started writing it on my phone and then I just kept adding to it over a week, basically. Wow. Um, So I was just going over it because I knew we were going to be talking about it. And the first sentence I wrote, which I think is pretty interesting, is um, sometimes things won't work out the way you imagine. That's how I opened it. And I think that's, exactly true well and jill you know you you and your ex-husband were high school sweethearts right Right. so there was a little bit a little element of a storybook to it for sure and it's certainly i mean i don't think anybody really goes into a marriage thinking they're going to get divorced right Mm -hmm. so it really doesn't always work out the way you're picturing I think, I think for most people that's, you know, when they get to the place of walking away, right? No one, no one ever, even if you get a prenup, right? That's not, that's not a, a conversation of, well, when this marriage ends, more right. about, you know, but for me, writing it was very kind of cathartic experience. I did it all in one sitting. You did? Uh, oh. I did on like one of my like Saturdays or Sundays without the kids in the morning. I just sat down and just, I think I wrote something like four or five pages of just um, like letting the story pour out of me. And, yeah, I love that. Um, And so, so it felt good to get it out of, out of my head. And so, I mean, I, I did, I have on and off journaled, but mm-hmm. 
to sort of summarize it a little bit and you know um you know picturing maybe I, I sort of pictured them reading it mm-hmm. someday a long time from now um yeah. and you know really trying to you know he he'll have he'll have a story that he'll maybe tell them someday about it and mm-hmm. you know the thing is he he was never inside of my head right and even if right. I told all of the things and all the reasons why it wasn't going to work out you know I don't think that he'll ever really and I guess that's 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 how it should how it is for most couples but you know I think that you know when they asked me my kids were really little and it's like you know mom and daddy just couldn't get along anymore we couldn't live together anymore and it's really hard for kids to understand you know because yeah. like well, I'm expected to get along with my sister you know you're talking about right oh yeah together so anymore. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much of that I ever need to share, you know, or, you know, how their relationships with us will play out right over time. But I feel um, like, oh, sorry. Do you feel like there was like a, like when I was picturing doing it, I was picturing more of like, I, I guess because why I thought of this exercise is sometimes when you're pissed right and you just want to say something that you can't say right Mm -hmm. because you're like mad at your ex or whatever and you just can't say it because it's not appropriate or it's not Mm -hmm. healthy for your kid or whatever like that's what I was picturing saying and really like through the whole letter I explained stuff and I talked like a little bit about my feelings and like you know, there were some, obviously we got divorced. So there was some negative stuff going on, but not really angry. It wasn't like a scathing letter by any means. No, no, I actually did not. It took care not to, um, excoriate my ex, you know, I, I did talk about how I, I saw myself slipping away. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I how I felt you know like I was becoming a shell and that that's all very true and that's something that honestly like I don't know that I would hold back saying but right. you know just like being in the relationship was diminishing who I was and I needed mm-hmm. to find my way back to myself and I couldn't do that unless I ended my marriage which is like the the most painful decision, right? It's like I exhausted all of my other options, mm-hmm. and that was the only thing left. So, yeah, I mean, my experience was different, but I said something similar, like when you just said that, of like losing myself. And in the letter, I know that I wrote that I hope when she grows up that she doesn't lose herself. Absolutely. You know, I really want, you know, as I think about my children, you know, I have a a 10 year old daughter who is sort of on the cusp of all of that. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I hope we can delay that. I mean, boys are are still gross, but you know, and you know that it should be more than a boy being interested or a girl, whoever 
right. being interested in them, um, you know, but really think about what it is you want and what matters to you. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the messaging to girls was all about how you, how, you know, if a boy likes you, oh, how do you get them to like you? And what, mm-hmm. and it was never about like centering the, the, the girl. Right. And since I have two girls, I mean, certainly if you're raising boys, it's a, maybe a different approach, but right. Anyway, but still, you don't want to lose. I mean, even with boys, I would say you want them to be who they are. Yes. Like, of course. But also, yourself. Yeah. We want someone to like you for you. Absolutely. So that was our grow work for this week. We hope that you join us on our grow work. We'd love to hear anything you want to share about it. We have it on our Facebook page, on our Instagram, and we're excited to hear what you come up with. Feel free to share anything or show us different or creative ways that you did your grow work this week. Thanks. Thank you. Today, we are thrilled to grab a cup of coffee with Scott Pinyard, owner and coach at Modern Co-Parent. The goal of Modern Co-Parent is to help you develop peace in yourself, and that peace radiates into your co-parenting relationship and your life. It only takes one person to totally shift the tone of the co-parenting relationship. So welcome, Scott. Hi. How are you guys? (laughs) Good. We're so excited to have you. I think this is a really good... um fit for us. I was actually a little bit nervous about having um, a dad. No, oh, well, I'm glad you did. There needs yeah. to be more dads involved with the conversation for sure. Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, I think that's such an important piece is that if everybody's common goal is the same, then these are the conversations we need to be having. So I completely agree. And like one of the things you, you kind of touched on there in the intro, like, I, I wanted to create something that like for, cause like for me with my Mm ex-wife, my process of developing peace for myself, which I don't love that word, but it is accurate, I guess, um, was solely on my own, you know? And I, I love the idea of people thinking about that as part of divorce. Like most people think about like, what are we going to do financially? And what are we going to do with the kids and this and that? But like, it feels like peace is like the last thing on the list. And I think that's completely backward. Like, I think it should be at the top of the list because then all the other shit's easier to do. Right. And when I, when I think about going through that process, I think peace is the thing I wanted most, right. At the, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I love, I love that you're really, that's really the focal point for you. Um, I'm curious, do you tend to see um, parents who are in the middle of their divorce or after, like where, where, where do people tend to fall in that continuum? I get a wide range. Uh, so like I, I talk to a lot of people who are like, we're still going through the court process uh, figuring things out. I talk to people who are post court process, but like adjusting. And I've worked with people who have been divorced for years and are still miserable. Um, and that's the key thing, right? If you're co-parenting with someone, or I should put it this way, if you are stressed, anxious, and angry all the time about co-parenting, it's a good fit to work with me. 
um, for some people, they reach out for that support early on, other people, you know, later in the process. Mm-hmm. So it kind of runs a gamut. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that that's a perfect point too. And, and part of my journey, cause I am definitely through the divorce process and in the co-parenting and, and it is different. It is a different place than when you're, you know, yeah. really unsettled and your whole life is kind of blowing up or changing. Oh yeah. You're moving and yeah. Right. You're moving, you're figuring that out, all the financial stress, all that, but then everything kind of settles, but then you're co-parenting with this person in some way, parallel parenting or however you need to do it um, for the rest of your life, basically. So then that becomes such an important part of like the process, at least for me is like, I want peace. Mm -hmm. I want, so you're such a perfect person to talk to about that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because someone brought up to me the other day, they're like, well, because I say, you know, when I talk about this, I talk about the fact that like, this is possible Mm -hmm. without me, without modern co-parent. Right. Like it could happen. It also very much might not happen. And it's a story Mm -hmm. I tell all the time. A friend of mine, when we graduated college, her kid, her parents have been divorced 12 years She had to have two separate graduation dinners because her mom and her dad still couldn't be in the same room together, you know? And so, and so, yes, like I think some people, um, you know, especially people tend to grow a lot post-divorce. And that's another thing I talk about, like Mm -hmm. divorce is often like a huge catalyst for personal growth, which is a good thing. Um, So it's possible that people kind of get there. But the sooner you can get there, the better, right? right? The sooner you can feel that peace, the Mm -hmm. better decisions you're making, the more I talk about peace kind of like radiating from you, right? And that's so like when one member in the co-parenting relationship is more at peace, the kids feel it, Mm -hmm. the co-parent feels it, Mm -hmm. and the tone of everything can change. And the sooner that happens, the better, Um, because that acrimony and anger pretty toxic yeah yeah definitely do you think that like you can have that you know peaceful place and then I mean because we're co-parenting for many years often Mm -hmm. like that that can change and how how can you deal with okay I was in a good place I was peaceful and then this Mm -hmm. big thing happened and now I feel like I'm back at zero. Yeah. And that's, so what my work does, like people will ask me like, oh, so me and my co-parent should join. And I'm like, under no fucking circumstances (laughs) should you do that. I never, I do not want to work with both members Uh at the same time. And that's kind of unique. I think a lot of people think that they need to do that and like work out our differences. The reality of the situation is that you got divorced for a reason. And I am not, in the business, nor do I think it's wise to try to change someone else's opinion. Mm-hmm. So my work is really focused on your thinking, mm-hmm. right? The way you think. Um, I do a lot of work with what I call story, which story is how we see the world, right? Our brains are meaning making machines. Mm-hmm. And so something happens and we create a story. Oh, this is the way things are. Mm-hmm. A lot of the pain that comes from divorce is when our stories don't match reality, then we get real pissed. Then we get real mad. Um, And so my work is on an individual level. And so the goal is that not only do you help shift some of those stories and feel better about where you are um, when you work with me, but you carry those tools forward. 
Right. right. So that you start to know, and I use this, um, I don't really get angry at my ex-wife anymore, but like mm -hmm. for a period of time, I would, when I felt myself, when I felt the temperature going up, yeah. that was a sign. Right. That was a sign that there was something about my thinking that was going on that I, that might be able to use some work. And so that's the sort of stuff that I teach so that not to say you'll never potentially get frustrated in the future. I'd love but to like total promise. inner peace. That's yeah. Yeah. Sign, but, me like, up. sign me up. You'll have the tools to deal with right. it and it'll be a totally different experience. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you find that there are, um, you know, you mentioned college graduation. I, I was thinking about, you know, the parents who can't sit, you know, have to be as far away from each other at their kid's wedding as possible and all those yeah. things. Do you mm -hmm. find that there are like life events that also can trigger, um, how do I want to say this, um, trigger people to want to get your services or, or do you think that there are times where there is sort of catalyst for more conflict? I think the sort of common thing that I see in terms of people reaching out to me is concern for their kids. Mm -hmm. um, and so I always make this joke uh, when I, I'm so, I am such a dad. I just have like a list of jokes that I just keep making over it, but they're so good. Um, but I, I always make this joke when I run the course, which is it's really amazing because for all of the people I've worked with, Every single one of them have gotten divorced from an asshole. Right. It's weird. Somehow I ended up with the good one in every relationship. Of course, funny? like I'm making a point, but I think yeah. that's the other side of it. You know, like part of it is part of it is frustration uh, or worry about how this is impacting the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, but part of it too is that I think people know, like this isn't sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. That like this the way that I see things is not how I want to live my life. And maybe they see that like they could act differently or do something differently, or maybe they don't. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're just like, how do I deal with this asshole? Like right. whatever it is, like that general sort of unhappiness definitely, um, definitely, you know, spurs people to reach out. And I also think that there's certain things. So you've mentioned graduations are one of them, uh, holidays, mm -hmm. like negotiating that stuff. Yeah. Um, like that stuff, I also see people, you know, kind of reach out going through that as well, because it's like, is this really what planning winter break is going to be like for the next mm. 18 years? Like, seriously, right. <laughs> you know, it's that sort of stuff. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about that? You know, we got the holidays coming up and, mm. um, you know, for there, there are a number, a number of, of ways I think you can, you can approach this, but like, what are some tips that you have for parents in their co-parenting journey that, um, you know, that might be helpful to them in terms of navigating holidays and navigating all of that. Yeah. 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 So, you know, there's plenty of places to go get, you know, parenting plan advice and financial yeah. advice, and I'm sure as hell not a lawyer. Um, so like a lot of my advice has to do with you and how you feel. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that I've seen help people the most when they're, when they're dealing with these challenging things is to pay attention to what's going on inside of you. Mm -hmm. So the anger that you might be feeling, frustration that you might be feeling, mm -hmm. to recognize that and to help yourself feel better, that's probably one of the best things you can do. 
when you have to go and have these sort of conversations. Sure. I know for me, like I would regularly go into a conversation with my ex-wife before I'd done this work. And then I'd go off half cocked because I'd just be angry, you know, mad and it was never productive. Yeah. Uh, So it's okay to feel mad. It's okay to feel frustrated, Mm -hmm. Um, to recognize that and give yourself some space to feel that way can be incredibly helpful when you have to go figure out, you know, pick up and drop off for Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, right? Yeah. So, but what would be some like tools that could help you navigate? Like, so one of the places I see or feel like there's a lot of, obviously around Christmas or mm-hmm. uh, Hanukkah and, and having to share those ho- those like special moments and holidays with another person um, and not being able to see your kids. So the more, like, how do you best manage maybe yourself on the times when you don't have your kids, right? So that is something that, you know, I would really tie into the idea of story, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of it is how we view these things. And I'll I'll tell you for me, like, I, I remember uh, the first year I didn't have my daughter at Christmas. And I mean, I only had one kid at that point. Um, and it was, it was weird. Right. You know? I'm yeah. like, it's Christmas day and she's not here. Yeah. And in thinking about it, obviously it made me sad and made me think of like, what's going to happen and on and on. Mm-hmm. But then I started to think about it and I'm like, what's actually important here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's important is that I get to have this special experience with my daughter. Right. Now I am not a religious person by any means. Um, so the date of December 25th, using Christmas as an example, holds no particular significance to me. Right. And when I started to realize that I'm like, oh, focusing on what's actually important, which is being able to have this shared experience means I can do Christmas whenever it doesn't need to be on that day. Right. And I've, um, like this year with, uh, my family, so like my side of the family, we all go down to New Hampshire and we're doing it a couple of weeks before Christmas. And we've done this forever. Yeah, right? a lot of families do, you know, that extended families, especially yeah. do it weeks or months or whenever. So it's kind totally. of shifting your expectations. Maybe I think expectations are really challenging. And then in terms of focusing on what's really important is being able to do that. Now we have three kids um, and my second wife. So like we will, um, we will have family time Mm -hmm. that will happen. It just won't necessarily happen on the 25th. Right. Um, And that is, um, I don't know, that makes it a lot easier for me. Right. And so a lot of people kind of get tied up on the particular date, Mm -hmm. but being able to like narrow your focus to what's most important mm-hmm. like that can that can solve a lot of problems around the holidays right i can see that i actually have a good holiday right like so my parenting schedule my daughter goes with her dad on christmas eve because mm-hmm. he has he has an italian family and they do a big christmas eve thing so when we were negotiating in the parenting plan stage of life um he wanted christmas eve i wanted christmas day so it was actually pretty easy now you know years later i love it because i'm kind of a last minute person and so i have all day christmas eve to like finish wrapping and like do whatever i need to do Mm -hmm. to make my time 
with her and with my family special and now I'm like I like feel bad for people that have to do two days in a row <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's funny yeah yeah totally and I mean it's funny because um you being able to see that and mm-hmm. like feel that is really good and and you kind of touch on something that I think I don't know we don't necessarily talk about as much as we should which is like obviously a family staying together is what everyone you know wants but there actually are some advantages to like running your life if you find yourself in a co-parenting situation there are opportunities for you that are that were not available for you before and the way you think about it is what's key right how you the the stories that you have the way that you conceptualize your ex all of those things your life ends up being what you make it in that standpoint and so being able to say like hey this is great as opposed to oh man it's christmas eve and she's not here like right same situation two different ways of thinking about it totally different experience and it's like sort of perception i mean i would i would definitely say that was not the case the first year it happened. No, hell no. no. <laughs> um, not when it's fresh. Um, but you know, now like it's my experience, like yeah. really actually enjoying getting to spend the time to do the last minute things, not overly stressed, and being able to, you know, enjoy that. So Scott, any other thoughts around maybe building new traditions or, you know, if, if you have an ex who is thrives on conflict, you know, how to pick those battles, any thoughts around either of those? I guess what I'll say to that, you know, and again, the work that I really do is about how we frame this stuff for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so the more flexible you can be, the more you can continue to ask that question, like what's most important here and, and not have an answer saying the kids. Like, I mean, what's most important to me, the more ability you're going to be able or the more ability you're going to have to be able to navigate with someone who might love getting in fights, Mm -hmm. right? Because then you're going to know, oh, uh, this battle's important or that one really isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're also going to have a calmer sort of vibe to you (laughs) when you're having these conversations because you know what's important to you. And the idea of like creating new traditions and stuff like that, you know, this goes back to what we were kind of just talking about. Like, this is a really unique opportunity because a lot of us, you know, are raised in families where like, this is how we do Christmas. This is how we do Thanksgiving. And then you just kind of do it the same way. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But when the schedule shifts and things change and suddenly you're doing Christmas on the 19th, not the 25th. Yeah. There is an opportunity there to really make it the thing you want to make it. So whatever that means, you know, maybe you go out for tacos instead of, you know, cook a turkey, right? Whatever, whatever it is, but allowing yourself that space for creativity, um, again, like makes the holiday specifically yours. And if you know what is most important to you, then you're able to really do that with some pretty, pretty cool results. I love that. Wow. Yeah, I love the framing it as an opportunity as a, I mean, it, it, it makes such a huge difference. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's important to recognize that maybe it still can be difficult. Like it's not rosy all the time to no. be like, oh, you know what? This is an awesome opportunity to have Christmas on the 19th. Maybe you're feeling that loss. Yeah. So how do you like kind of 
So that's a that's yeah, a really yeah. good that's a really good point. And when I talk about this idea of story, mm-hmm. um, I am never talking about oh, just say the opposite. Right. So like, I'm really sad the kids won't be here for Christmas. You're not going to be able to then just think I'm happy the kids won't be here for Christmas. Like it's not going to yeah. work. Right. It doesn't feel true. Right. You know. Well, and it's not. Yeah. And so being able to give yourself the space to hold both of those ideas, mm-hmm. you know, or even recognizing maybe you didn't know that maybe you didn't know Thanksgiving was such a big deal to you. Right. right. And then all of a sudden you find yourself feeling this way. Yeah. Um, being honest with yourself about how you feel, not about how you should feel. Yes. Uh, gives you a space to like operate out of honesty with yourself. Absolutely. So mourning that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's totally fine and it's totally normal, but you also recognize the fact that like in well, one thing I like to say is like creation follows destruction. Um, and so in those moments where it feels like it's crumbling, mm-hmm. there's a new thing being born. You're able to experience the the feeling of loss, mm-hmm. but also recognize that there's those new things there for you so yeah you're not always going to feel like ah it's a great opportunity right there are going to be times that it's going to suck and that's okay yeah you know like that's again something that i think a lot of people feel like two things they feel first of all they get stuck in it they get stuck in the morning and then that turns into the blame game and then that turns into being miserable right um or they try to avoid avoid the morning Mm-hmm. They try to avoid the negative emotions and then it just comes out some other way. I love what you said about not looking at should, you know, should is a word I've kind of deleted from my vocabulary mm-hmm. because um, in general, it, it's just a breeding ground for negative feelings and yeah. thoughts. <laughs> and there's a lot of that around divorce and co-parenting. Yes. Sure. Right. Absolutely. And holidays. In general. And holidays. And holidays. Yes. Yes. should be doing this. And it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. What's really funny is when you stop to question. So when you say I should be doing this and then you ask why, right? Mm-hmm. You start to realize like the answer is almost always, especially with stuff around the holidays, it's almost always some version of because other people do this. Yes. And it's like, well, wait, where else in my life do I use this type of reasoning? Yes. You know, like mm-hmm. it's weird. I know. Yes. Should it's so- absolutely about other people's mm-hmm. expectations right. or you know, some cultural thing that, you know, you think you ought to do and nope, no more. Yeah. Not for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. Being able, I think there's something about, so what, one of the things I talk about is this idea that like divorce is changing, right. Or has changed a lot. And there are more and more sort of, you know, there's more and more co-parenting happening, happening, blended families, all of these things. Mm -hmm. Part of what is happening and the people that I see being the most successful in, I define successful as everybody feeling happy Mm -hmm. um, or fulfilled or everybody having that peace. Mm -hmm. The people I find that are the most successful are the people who are the most creative Mm -hmm. with solutions, who can Mm -hmm. be really honest about this is what's important to me. And then they create their solutions around that. Mm -hmm. And so it totally blows the idea of should away because who gives a shit about should like at that point, like what's important is how all of us feel. And when you put down the shoulds, 
there's a huge world of opportunity that opens up. Like I said, go get tacos on Thanksgiving instead of turkey. Like you can do it. Turns out you can do it. Yeah. No, that creativity. Turkey police aren't coming after you. Yeah. Well, that creativity just allows a really vibrant, exciting co-parenting life, Mm -hmm. you know? And peaceful. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I love that. Yeah. Bring on the peace, man. Um, I want to, I want to pivot back to something we said, uh, earlier in the conversation, Scott, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what are, what are some differences in being on the dad side compared to the mom side? That's a good question. You know, it's, it's fascinating because when I look at, I work with more moms than dads. I think more moms in general reach out for help on this stuff. Um, I've had plenty of moms who I've worked with that then send their co-parent, like, Um, which is cool um, because to me, that's a huge compliment because what that means is that there, the dad has seen a shift and was like, what happened to you? Um, And that's awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. To see that and be like, you know, I'll have what she's having, like to be able to do that is like pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, the sort of stories is probably the biggest difference that I see um, between moms and dads Mm -hmm. you know moms have moms have a lot of should stories um around like you know i'll call it quote-unquote traditional mom roles Mm -hmm. you know um like i'll i talk to a lot of moms who get really hung up on what their kids are eating at their dad's house like that's Mm -hmm. like that's something that comes up all the time yeah um i now, on the other side, like with dads, I see dads in general being a little bit less um, concerned about like the nutritional aspect thing of things, but a lot more concerned about the fairness aspect of things. Like 50-50 means 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, honestly, that's about the extent to which I can generalize on this sure. because it really, truly is different um, with every relationship. Yeah. You know, and everyone that kind of goes down that road, the number one thing though is, and this is something absolute like home run win for the ladies here. Like they're much more willing, at least at first mm-hmm. to find some sort of support to change things. Right. Um, and that's partially why I created modern co-parent to be like for one parent and created it so that it impacts everybody. Right. Because I know that like, if, if just one person reaches out, like everything can change. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, can we drill in a little more? I'm sorry, Joe. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I think it's getting better for men, but it's mm-hmm. also, you know, the idea of getting help or support and stuff is still a little um, challenging in our society for men. Mm-hmm. And women are just yeah. either more prone to do it we're also more like culturally in the u.s anyways yeah. uh, you know more it's more acceptable it's um, also interesting because everyone thinks they have it worse you know like, right. <laughs> like and like that's also that's something that both sides share yeah. you know um but i think that perception is changing too like i live in maine uh it's a default 50 50 state right so like if you go to the state of maine and you say i'm gonna get divorced Mm-hmm. You start negotiations and planning at 50, 50, and that means custody and expenses. Yeah. Um, that wasn't always the case. 
Um, and I think a lot of, there's a lot of sort of holdover opinions and um, ideas from, and not every state is that way. I think a majority of them are now. Um, yeah. But so there's a lot of that sort of stuff that I think plagues us and it creates worries and anxieties that are unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I would agree with what you just said that like it is, it is, it is culturally, it is changing. Um, and I'm seeing that in, you know, all of my coaching, to be honest with you, like I'm seeing more and more guys start to be open to that, which is awesome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. What would you say to a dad who might be listening? Um, you know, there is a lot out there that's, that's geared towards moms. And and I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, with, with Jill and me, we, that's the perspective we have. So, you know, what, what, I don't want to say advice that's like too broad but but you know what what do you wish for more dads out there who are going through this and are having a hard time with their co-parent I would honestly say the thing that I wish for dads is the same thing I wish for moms honestly which is being able to have more of that peace to mm-hmm. interact with their kids mm-hmm. to sort of live their life post divorce Um, the reason that I think peace is so important, um, and we can talk about it from a dad's perspective, but like, um, the, the time that we have with our kids when we get divorced is limited Mm -hmm. and it's limited even when we're not divorced, right? There's only so many years they're going to be living at home and then they move on. Um, but it gets limited again when we get divorced Mm -hmm. and because of that, our interactions with them, the way we communicate with them, the things we teach them, all of that uh, feels like it, it it gets like a heightened priority because now you suddenly have half as much as you thought you did. Mm-hmm. Because of that, because of that feeling of scarcity, the more peace that you have, meaning the more relaxed you are, the more able you are to actually connect with them, to actually listen to them, to actually communicate how you're feeling to them, uh, the more of that you have, the better. And and that's one of the things I think with, to be like super stereotypical about it, like guys like avoid emotions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know that that's helpful in this situation. I don't know if that's helpful at all, but in particularly in these situations, your opportunities to be a dad, you know, like require you to be there fully. Mm -hmm. And so the more peace you have, the better you can show up for your kids, the better you support them. And on top of that, the more peace you have, the better you can rebuild your life in whatever way that means for you. If it means, you know, getting into another relationship, if it means just living on your own, if it means building a business, like, no matter what it is you're trying to do post-divorce, having clarity and peace is going to make you better at it. So Scott, we are co-parenting in coffee. Um, I did did see you finish your cup of coffee. I did, yes. um, We're supposed to talk about it first. uh, Usually you talk about it. (laughs) But tell, tell tell us what's your favorite kind of coffee, whether it's what you were drinking this morning or... Um, so I am ridiculous in that uh, I spend a lot of money on home coffee. Um, I live in Portland, Maine, which has a lot of great coffee shops, but I also work from home. Um, so I have a pretty intense espresso machine um, and I'd make Americanos. 
and I go, there's a roaster here in Portland uh, called Coffee by Design. And I go to them and I get uh, really awesome espresso beans. And yeah, I drink, uh, I drink Americano and we have not to geek out on it too much, but we have a intense uh, 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 espresso machine that grinds the beans. And then I bought a separate grinder with decaf beans. So like in the afternoon, I can still have coffee. Um, and I got the same roast with that. So yeah, that's my, that's my go-to is an Americano. Wow, you were. Do you drink the espresso like out of the little cups and everything, or do you? Sometimes, normally, I just get the americano, so just the espresso with water, and so I use a regular coffee cup. But yeah, I do. I do once in a while, occasionally, if I want to be fancy. I know. Uh, I kind of wish you brought a little cup in today. I would love that. <laughs> My problem with that is I just throw it back like a shot. Oh yeah. I don't drink it slowly, so at yeah. least if if it's in a mug like this, like you know, it's mm. I can't. I won't chug it. I guess. Right. Yeah. Or do three or four shots of it. You'll be shaking. It's no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I think um, you really gave a cool perspective and yeah. something important for everybody to think about. I think a lot of people, especially that are reaching out for help, are in higher conflict situations, and they feel. I mean, I was literally just on a call before this, and two people of the you know, four or five that we're in, we're just exhausted from this process. And like, I want to give them your number because I feel yeah. like just a change in perspective Yeah, and it can be so, so helpful, so valuable and such an important part of your own growth. Yeah, like, it is. And I, I get, you know, it's, I see this term high conflict yeah. All over the place. Just like the term narcissist. narcissist yeah. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Like everyone's getting divorced from a narcissist. Right. And it's like in a high conflict situation, actually. Yeah, it may or may not be true. Right. You know, but like again, if that's the way you define it, if that's the story you have going into this, you're not gonna feel good. Right. You know, yeah, and yeah that's a good point. My goal is always, it's never to like make the other person do something, but it's to help people work with themselves mm -hmm. so that they feel better going into this. So even if it is a high conflict, like a true high conflict situation mm -hmm. where like the other person is like constantly, I don't know, I want to, I'm not going to go out too much on a limb here. I have my own thoughts about high conflict stuff, but yeah. if that's the way it feels and it feels like the other person is just always saying the opposite of what you're saying just to piss you off. Yeah. The way that you think about that and the way that you deal with that, meaning your own stories and your own emotions are going to have a massive impact yes. on how it feels for you to go through this process. Yes. And you are going through this process no matter what. So you can go through it pissed off and angry, or you can go through it less pissed off and angry. Right. Or not <laughs> even pissed off and angry, but exhausted from it. Yes. I mean, this constant, like, heightened, like, mm -hmm. Pain. I don't. I don't know if pain's the right word. This constant. I call it co-parenting fatigue. It's like a fatigue. Yeah. Feeling. Absolutely. Not, like get out of it. You're exhausted and you can't separate completely because you have kids to raise. Yeah. So. But again, the way that you frame that and the way that you think about it is really going to change. And like mm -hmm. I have worked with people, like you know, I have um, client who like like literally used to be a thing that consumed her at all times mm -hmm. yeah oh what a way sure. to live oh 
And she's gone from that to this place of peace that is like completely different. I was just talking to her. This was a couple of months ago. So just being like, you know, <laughs> excuse me, in August. Um, and it had been a while since we chatted. And she's like, I just can't even believe how different things are. And her co-parent's not any different. Right, right. But it was just being able to give herself that out. Right. And that changed everything. And she went from like, there was like all this conflict at, you know, handoff Mm -hmm. and like, you know, these different conversations and her worrying about that and her worrying about this. And we went deep into her stories and the relationship story and all of it through the modern co-parent course. Yeah. And it's like a different world, but it's a choice. And like, I think that's one of the things that with co-parenting we often feel like we don't have a choice mm-hmm. like legally i gotta deal with this asshole for the rest of my life right yes yes you don't necessarily have a choice in that mm-hmm. but you absolutely have a choice in how you frame this for yourself how you mm-hmm. think about this and if you are willing and courageous enough to kind of dig into some of that stuff mm-hmm. your your experience is going to be completely different than you can even imagine right now oh my god that's amazing can you talk a little bit about your course like sure how long is it like yeah yeah so what it is it's a it's a 12-week course um and the first part of it really focuses on story um and it's about the stories that we have about ourselves about our relationship about our kids um there's often a ton of fear and concern about kids you know being raised in a divorced home and you know what that means and you know how the co-parents treating them and so we kind of dig into what that is what are those stories where are those coming from what's actually real and i give you tools to start to identify those and shift those. Um, And then we kind of move from stories about yourself and stories about your kids to stories about your Mm -hmm. co-parent. And um, I don't want to give away too many surprises, but essentially what starts to happen is we start to recognize that we are living in story. Man, that means they're living in story. And suddenly the way you see them can start to shift. Um, and this doesn't mean like you're gonna like fall back in love with them. That right. is not, oh that is not the goal. <laughs> that is not the goal. But imagine what would happen if you had a little bit of compassion mm-hmm. for your co-parent. It's funny, I got a call from someone going through the course that I can swear on here. Well, I hope so because I've been swearing yeah. all the time. All good. <laughs> it started with fuck you, Scott. And I was like, Oh, oh, oh. whoa. And she said, <laughs> yeah. uh, you didn't tell me that I was going to start to feel compassion for my ex through this whole Uh, thing. She's like, I don't know how to deal with this. And I'm like, that's all right. We're going to talk about it. (laughs) So that's not a guarantee, but what starts (laughs) to happen when you adopt this way of seeing things and start using these tools is you start to realize we're all living in story. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's sort of the first part of the course is just understanding that stuff and understanding what level of control you actually have about how you actually feel and what you think. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very powerful. And again, it's the work that's like for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second part of the course is around family dynamics Mm -hmm. um, and how in particular anxiety is something that is like passed around a family. And so we Mm -hmm. talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about how that works, um, various different ways that it works and how to be the person that can stop some of that anxiety from being passed around or not being like sort of a piece in that game and what that means for how the rest of the family reacts. Um, And so we dive into something called family systems theory. Um, which is all about like how the family works as a system and how mm-hmm. individuals 
um, can operate in different ways to help the system be more or less healthy. Um, And so that's how the whole thing kind of wraps up is we help you get this idea of story. And then with this idea of story, start looking at family dynamics and the changes and things that can happen there. Um, And people come out the other side of it with significantly more um, insight into what's happening, into their own thinking. Um, and that's what gives them the peace, you know, is knowing that like, oh, I can handle things in a new and different way and everything feels different. Wow, that's really cool. You don't cool. have to pass around anxiety for Thanksgiving. That's what I was like <laughs> picturing. Yeah. <laughs> Here's something Depression over here. It's yeah. really amazing. I mean, when you start yeah. to, when you start to dig into this stuff, yeah. you see it. You see it all the time. Like one of the ways that like, uh, you know, if you see two people are in a fight, Mm -hmm. right. And that is like conflict is a way that we pass anxiety. I'm really mad at you right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to yell at you um, because I need to get rid of this energy. And then the other person yells back. One of the classic things is called triangling Mm -hmm. where these two warring parties will try to drag a third person in. Um, That is another method of passing off that anxiety. And these patterns you will see, and these are kind of universal patterns that like happen all over the place. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people have told me that this has been helpful for way more than just like family. Oh, absolutely. Um, But as you start to see this, you start to see, and again, it's part of what we were talking about before, when you can define what the problem is, you can define Mm -hmm. what's happening, Mm -hmm. then you can fix it. And you mm-hmm. can start to, to work to, to fix it and change it. And so like triangling is a great example of that, of like, all right, this is happening. My ex and my daughter are fighting about something. He's right. texting me about how disrespectful and horrible she is. Right. He's trying to pull me in. She's texting me about, right. you know, how mean and authoritarian dad is. And she's right. trying to pull me. And you start to see the pattern and you go, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Wait, the way I operate right now is going to make a huge impact in how the family, the family system, meaning the co-parent, you know, the, the entire system mm-hmm. operates. And so we talk a lot about that, um, but from a place of story and a place of what you can do as an individual to have that impact. Right. I love it. And how many people, like, is the class over Zoom? So right now there's two ways that people go through it. Um, the class, I have a self-paced class. Um, it's 12 weeks long. There's every week there are, there's like a, a lesson and there's exercises. So I really hate just like putting this information out there. I want people like, I know that it's useless unless you put it to use in your own life. Right. Um, and so that's why I give you pretty intense exercises to like really start adopting this stuff. And so there's yeah. that self-paced option. Um, and then another option that people do is they will do that and we'll actually have coaching calls every couple of weeks. Oh. Um, and so that's where people can come to me. And right now I'm doing it one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a high likelihood of some classes like going mm-hmm. through it together uh, in next year in 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now I've found that doing it one-on-one is is hugely impactful. Um, and so I, uh, will meet with people every other week and I will challenge them on story and we'll talk about and clarify some of these things. Um, so it's kind of those two different ways. Both of them are 12 weeks, um, one with coaching and one kind of on your own. Um, both versions of it, um, are really, really helpful. Um, it's just a matter of uh, you as an individual, like, how do you like to work best? Are you the sort of person that likes to read the book and apply the stuff? Or do you want to read the book and talk about it? Right. That makes sense. Yeah. 
I'd want to talk about it. I know, me too. <laughs> me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Scott, where um, where can people find you? So uh, they can always go to my website, which is modern-coparent.com. We're going to link it in our podcast and stuff also. We'll link all of your stuff. Awesome. Great. And then my email is scott at modern-coparent.com. Like, and I truly, truly mean it. Like, email me with questions, Mm. stuff that you're running into. Um, Or obviously, if you're interested in the course, you can email me there too. Um, But um, yeah, I want to, I want to be a resource for people. Um, So please, anyone listening to this, if you do have a question or, you know, just want to ask me something, don't hesitate to reach out. Amazing. Even though you're a dad. (laughs) Even though I'm a dad. (laughs) Hello. So the grow work for this week is all about setting boundaries. We want you to get crafty or artsy or whatever Mm. that might look like for you. What does that look like for you, Allie? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, Are you crafty? I'm I'm not crafty, but I'm artsy. You are? Yeah. Oh, I love that about you. I didn't know. So, I mean, it's not like a focal point of my personality, but yeah, as a, as a kid and a teenager, I was always taking art and drawing and sketching. And so, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to sort of seeing how this manifests on paper. This exercise is barred from Erica Ping Art on YouTube, and it's an art therapy activity for setting boundaries. We're going to tag her exercise um, so that you can check it out. It's a great video. I think it's about seven minutes long, and it mm-hmm. really just explains her idea. But the idea basically is to grab a piece of paper and some drawing, painting, coloring, pencils, whatever you want to use to draw yourself and healthy boundaries. The premise is to picture yourself with healthy boundaries and imagine what that looks and feels like. Picture what is surrounding you, where there are places that you can let in and places where you need stronger boundaries. What colors you imagine, what textures or things surround you when you have healthy boundaries. That's the basic like idea of this week. And I'm really excited to do it. And I think I want to do it with my daughter. I think that's a great idea. I think that the earlier you can teach your children about boundaries and about trusting their 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 bodies and themselves to to know what is a yes for me and what is a no for me, right? right. I love it. Me too. So that's our exercise for this week. Again, please, if you're going to do this, start posting it because especially this week where the drawings and paintings and anything you come up with creative we would love to see it and share with us please we want to see any and all yes and we'll share ours definitely but mine might be a stick figure (laughs) i'm not artsy (laughs) all right bye thanks bye Thanks for joining us for Co-Parenting and Coffee. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice on any subject matter. If you liked our podcast, feel free to drop us a review. We'd appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you next time for a cup of coffee and a chat with another expert on co-parenting.